Stanford University. Because 
That's really what First Act is about. We're using an arts and culture strategy for placemaking and community building, as well as an urban design strategy. Right? The physical place, the physical realm matters to how we look and feel, as well as those activities and experiences inside. Okay? So with that, we um, sort of adopted three legacy goals. And I use the word legacy because we've positioned our organization as a catalytic organization with a five to 10 year run. We did not set out to be a permanent organization, but rather to be a catalytic sort of change of, agent of change. And the agenda that we want to carry forward, we're actually building partnerships with organizations as at the, the get-go, so that as we exit, those parts of our, our, our um, work continues through other um, partners. Does that make sense? So it also fits the Silicon Valley culture. It's very venture philanthropy feel to it. So the three legacy goals are a vibrant urban core, and we have chosen downtown San Jose to work on its urban design, an urban design agenda. Anyone from San Jose? Okay, homegrown. Are you homegrown? Almost. <laughs> Almost is homegrown here. <laughs> So anyway, so many of us are from someplace else, as, as we all know. So we chose downtown San Jose for the urban agenda because it was the, the greatest opportunity to impact the most um, part of this region because it is the largest urban core. It is the urban core for Silicon Valley. Now I want to say something about San Francisco. San Francisco is a tremendous asset to Silicon Valley. And I love San Francisco. What we want to do is, is bring San Jose into a stronger position of contribution to our valley. And that for both the cultural and aesthetic agenda that I think we all would want. So it's more about growing into our, our future and growing into the possibility of what the urban core for Silicon Valley should look and feel like. The second one is, this, is a healthy arts and culture ecosystem. So we spend a lot of time developing strategies to strengthen our, our, our arts and culture ecosystem. And then the last legacy goal is about a more culturally engaged citizen. So if you think about it, these three legacy goals, one is about a city, primarily with an urban design agenda, but arts is, is the, it, are the experiences inside it. And then our second is about organizations, so it is more of the not-for-profit, the delivery system of our arts and culture. And then the third is really connecting with our demographic. Okay? So we have strategies and um, specific action items tied to each one of those legacy goals. And if I were to give the presentation on all of them, you would be here till 5 o'clock today. So what Barbara and I are going to focus on is actually the urban design agenda in downtown and how we're using public art as a key strategy for placemaking and community building. Okay? So that's really the essence of what, what we're going to share with you today. Um, let me see. I do want to say something about our urban design agenda and give you some context. We hope we're going to. <laughs> I can see a dance for a few more minutes here. 
So, um, to, to back up in time, I left the Children's Museum um, about, and I've been there six years, I left um, about a little over two years ago. So the organization called First Act, which by the way stands for Arts, Creativity, and Technology, has um, opened its doors just a little over two years ago. So, but there was a group of leaders that were working on this, talking about it, birthing it, if you will, for at least um, three to four years prior. But once we opened our doors, then we um, set our agenda and have been driving it with a sense of urgency, a sense of urgency to play this catalytic role. So the urban design agenda is older than, than the rest of our initiatives because that's where we started, okay? And let me just share sort of the process because I think for those of you who are interested in being civic leaders or our community leaders or will engage in that, um, the thing that is, is um, to be understood is that to drive change in the community across sectors where you really don't have any formal control is the power of relationships and the ability to articulate a vision and essentially inspire people to follow. So we did that for three years in conversation, and it was the arts leaders of, down, of the larger institutions of downtown San Jose that really um, kicked this off. And we knew as leaders that we weren't the end all for vibrancy in downtown San Jose, but we were a critical part of it. So long story short is, is we, we got funding from Adobe, and we developed a, um, a framework for what we're calling um, a vibrant urban core. And that framework included a model of what we call, we're calling big deals and small wonders. Okay? I'm going to talk a little bit about it because as you see, are we going to see our presentation? Yeah, she has to bring it Okay. Just, okay. Just, okay. Just, okay. So I'm going to leave. I'm going to. Barbara's going to follow me eventually. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> I still have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. So the big deals are will be obvious when I I sort of share some of them. The big deals is the renovation at the airport, the Children's Discovery Museum, Bar to San Jose, the four high-rise condominiums that are that are actually built in, in the downtown with um, a future of six to seven more that are planned. Um, so you get the big deals are, are capital intensive, they require their, they have, um, they can't be done quickly, they require a lot of planning and a lot of um, funding, both private and public sector. So those are the big deals. The small wonders are more tied to the pedestrian experience. Do we have anyone who's interested in urban design and or um, seeing that as part of their career? Okay, we have at least, we have a couple. Okay. So good urban design is, is all about engaging people in an environment. And um, there's a, a, I don't even know who, who's, created this idea, but our, our consultants, campaign associates, share this many times, that as a pedestrian, when you're walking in an environment, that there's this five to, five to um, seven second rule, that if you aren't connected to that environment within that five to 10 seconds or so, that you feel disoriented and uncomfortable. 
So it's those things that draw you into an environment. It's the it's the um, landscaping. It's the the art. The the the, um, um, the streetscape. The the how things are laid out and feel pedestrian friendly. So you get that get that sense. So small wonders are those things that give personality to the immediate environment in which you are. It's, it's the, they, they don't cost a lot of money. They're often driven by public policy in terms of what you can or cannot do. And um, they make a lot of difference. In my, my personal opinion, and Barbara is from the Santa, city of San Jose, so I, she, I can say things she can't. Right. But as, as historically, if you think about the city of San Jose, it grew up so fast because of Silicon Valley. So in, ten, in, in five decades, it grew tenfold. And what's so interesting, and you're sitting here at Stanford, the north grew into the south. And where you know, usually the cities, the suburbs grew up in the city, in our case, the small towns and suburbs grew into the city. The city existed, but it wasn't at the magnitude, of course, that it is today, of over a million people, and um, the tenth largest city in the United States. So I, I have yet to anyone challenge me to find another city that had that kind of growth pattern. And of course, we had somewhat of a suburban development pattern um, that grew in this valley. So anyway, we're making up for that as we make investments going forward. And I think the city of San Jose has done a great job on the big deals, but we've been very um, slow to in embracing and investing in the small wonders. So we're looking at both. And so what First Act has done is we're not driving all of these big deals, and we're partnering, though, with those who touch the big deals, and, and um, the city of San Jose first being one, and Public Art being an important partner as we play out this, this urban design agenda. So um, in the Small Wonders Department, we've literally adopted a three-block area in downtown from first, uh, it's on First Street from San Carlos to Rio. And I would invite all of you someday to get off campus and come to one of our first Friday events in downtown San Jose if you want to get a sense of what we're up to. Because it's not only the physical changes we're making in downtown San Jose in this three-block area, but also the role that arts play to, to activate and enliven that three-block area. So, the, the, is, are we soon? Well, I actually was going to, she's going to be on the computer for the downtown. Okay. I can show them the okay. report right now. Okay, so um, this would be a good segue of, of the combination of the physical big deal, renovation of an airport, and the importance and the power that art plays in <coughs> place making and community building. So, so um, just to just <coughs> start with you. So, um, just to get started. Now, we, we, I guess I didn't turn on my. You are fine. Is that fine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The uh, public art program at the airport is a unique one because it's dealing with the entire the idea of making the airport be something that reflects Silicon Valley and, and what it's about. Um, it's intended to be um, a program of art and technology that will um, 
reinforce the, city, the identity of the city uh, and the region so that when you land at San Jose Airport, you know that you're in Silicon Valley. You know that you're in a place where innovation takes place. So I'm going to go through some of the projects that we have there so that you can see exactly what we're talking about. Terminal B is the new terminal that you see when you go to the airport. And when you go to the mezzanine, that's where you go to security or you come out to get your baggage. You're going to encounter a couple of the artworks that we built into the airport. The first one that you're going to encounter is an artwork that's called Space Observer. And Space Observer is a propeller-driven kinetic sculpture that has live video capture that captures the motion of the travelers around it. And you're going to see what it looks like now. As you come up the escalators, this is what you're going to see. This is a permanent artwork. It looks kind of like a cross between um, an Alexander's Calder stabile and some kind of weird insect from outer space. <laughs> we don't know whether it's going to amuse people or scare the Jesus out of them. But we're hoping that it's going to amuse them. It's, um, it's actually being transported here right now from Germany. All the engineering was done by an engineering firm in Menlo Park. And what we've done in the airport is we've basically created this activated spine. We've made the airport into a server for art. The airport has got data, power, structural systems that you can't see until an artwork goes in. This is one of the pieces that is a changing piece. It's in the same area. And they're, they're, the, the, these two strips are next to each other. They're display cases that have the capability of having art in them. Oh, I'm sorry, that one went by too fast. It, it was a, a, a series of photographs that show Silicon Valley and Bangalore in contrast to each other, kind of talking about how technology has shaped the environment. In the arrivals hall, we have this piece which is hanging over the arrivals hall. It's called Constellation. And it's a drawing in the air that sort of shows air travel from where, I'm sorry. I, I'm having a little bit of difficulty with this. I'll go back in a second. This is the waiting area. This is a changing piece. And it's a video flip book that you can see when you're waiting for people to get their baggage. And basically, it's a reactive wall. And as you step in front of it, you activate the video from past to present or from present to future. And basically, by standing in front of the screen, you're interrupting uh, the, the projection so that you can make it move in one direction or another. So as you're standing in front of it, you'll be able to understand that you can impact the video that's there. There are exhibition cases under the escalators that are going to have changing exhibits. The first ones are Wunderkammer that represents Silicon Valley technology. In baggage claim, there's a video piece. It's a video projection on the baggage claim. It connects to Twitter. It projects um, emoticons of the city that your luggage has come from. And then when you pick up your luggage, it's going to say what the emoticons are telling you. 
It's called convey. That's a changing piece. In the concourse, there's also a series of activated spaces in the um, columns and um, overhead. This is a piece that's called eCloud, and it's a suspended series of glass tiles. They're about 100 feet long, and it actually changes from clear to opaque as it reads weather data from around the United States. This is being installed this week. And there's a dynamic display below it that actually tells you what part of the country it's reading weather from and what weather data it's reading. Is there going to be, is there sort of a, a curator in residence at the airport to maintain the technology? Yes, there is. Yeah, we just finished interviewing last week for that position. Yeah. That's, that was a very essential part of the plan. It's actually, we call that person actually the archie, because they're not really the curator. What they are is a technician that will be in charge of making sure that all the computer connections are working and all of that. The columns also are activated. The airports typically have these really gigantic HVAC columns. So um, what's happening here is on the left you see the columns, and you see that there are little strips along the side of the columns. Our activation team figured out ways to put um, uh, data and uh, enough electricity in there so that we can treat them as little display cases, which would lend themselves to things like works that are serial works, anything from, say, the type of photography that Edward Muybridge did so that you would walk by and see a different thing in motion to something that's static. We're testing these two pla these platforms in two different ways. One set we're testing are kind of dynamic in nature and the others are static. So this is the dynamic one that I'm going to show you now. And what this one does is um, basically there's a series of, of pixels um, that are behind the screen. And they're reading light and shadow throughout various parts of Silicon Valley. And so it's going to go from being white and opaque to looking like dappled light that's moving behind these columns. And it'll change over the course of the day depending on what it's reading in different places. It's not real dappled light, it's simulated with this pattern of pixels that goes behind it. This is called courtesy of nature. This one is a static one that is, it's not going to be clouds because we have the e-cloud piece. It's basically, it's going to be wave patterns, radio waves, ripples in water, things like that. And this is simply created by an artist who drills into opaque plastic to create photographs that are highly pixelated photographs. So this is going to be a static piece that exists on um, eight different columns. And each one that you pass will be a different sort of wave pattern. In the hold rooms, we have a number of different pieces. Again, these are temporary pieces where we created the opportunities for artists to put in work. 
This one is called Dreaming Fids. Fids are flight information displays, and it's an aquarium. But it's a very unusual aquarium because the fish are being trapped by surveillance cameras. So up on the upper right-hand side is what a fid is. It's a flight information display system. And this is what the piece is going to look like. There are surveillance cameras that are above the aquarium, and then there's a series of four double-sided screens. So what's happening is one act, it looks like a flight information display system, but when the fish swim by, you get videotapes of the fish in a larger size swimming through the flight information <laughs> display system, and you get the real fish. This piece, which is called Kronos and Kairos, does anybody know what Kronos and Kairos is? Kronos and Kairos are two different ways that you measure time. So this piece is a series of Jacob's ladders. And what they you'll see the Jacob that Jacob ladders above. And I don't have a videotape of this, so I'm going to describe it to you. Basically what happens is they open and close to, to produce chronological time. They just breathe. And then after a certain number of breaths, they ripple. However, there's also a, a video cam that's opposite the, the, them that reads motion. And so when it sees motion underneath it, it has a special kind of rippling event. So it's continuously in motion, opening and closing. <coughs> and then the last piece, which is completed now, we just put the last panel up uh, last week, is a bitmap graphic mural that is on our consolidated rental car garage. And this simply took the idea of the chain link fence as a matrix for creating a high definition photograph. And the photograph is the hands of 54 different people from Silicon Valley, ranging from a tortilla maker to a high tech innovator to uh, a young child. So this piece is, you can see on the bottom right exactly how this was made. It's actually pretty low tech, but the plotting of it required a lot of very sophisticated mapping technology. Has anyone seen that? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. When we first started to create an idea of an art and technology program at the airport, the biggest worry that the um, our civic leaders had was that it was going to look like a whole bunch of computer screens everywhere and that, that technology was basically that, just a bunch of computer screens. But the fact is that it's not that at all. Basically what it is is the system that we set up that allows a lot of different kinds of art to happen. Artists that are working with data, artists that are working with robotics, artists that are interested in doing a commentary on what technology is in our lives. And so it's turned out to be basically a big sandbox that artists can play in. And um, we never could have imagined the variety of work that we were going to get out of this project. Um, the only projects that I showed you that are permanent there are Space Observer, eCloud, the one that flew by really fast constellation, which I'll tell you a little bit more about in a second and the parking garage. Everything else will be in for two years, and then it'll come out, and other things will come in. 
When the airport opens, there will be 11 temporary works, some of which I showed you, some of which I haven't. And then we'll start layering in new temporary works. So that's the plan. And um, so Barbara, would you let me introduce you? <laughs> because I forgot. So okay. I, I had technology on my mind, but it's all right. But in some ways it's kind of it's kind of good after because you'll you'll appreciate it more. We're very, very fortunate to have Barbara Goldstein at the city of San Jose serving Silicon Valley as you can see through the airport. Uh, Barbara has spent her life in this field and is nationally recognized, having just come from uh, how many years in Seattle? 11 years in Seattle. So if you've ever been to Seattle, a lot of the public art there, fabulous. Um, you saw, see the power of, of Seattle's landscape changing over time. And you know, Barbara is the visionary behind what you just saw. And it also bodes well for what we're planning to do in downtown San Jose over time. So um, this is Barbara Goldstein. <laughs> Did we find a map? We yes. have a map, but we don't have the right adapters now. So I, um, that, while we're setting that up, I want to check in because I know we have a late start. And I'm looking at the team chair because we want a time for questions and answers. And so I'm going to do the first act 101 in the introduction because the next um, PowerPoint is about the downtown public art. If we do that, we're going to go over the time without questions. So how do people feel? And keep going. Any burning questions while we're setting up? <coughs> I was just curious about the plan for rotating the art out every couple of years. Yeah. What's what's the funding plan for that? Is it well, okay. corporate? So let me tell you how it works. Uh, basically, what we did was we set up the systems. We actually I have ensured that the systems will stay current because rather than being on the, the city server, we're actually on the cloud cloud computing. Um, and we set, we invested a lot in the infrastructure. We actually set aside some dollars for some new projects that are supposed to launch starting in about a year. And the real goal is to build partnerships with Silicon Valley institutions and industry. So what we can provide, because we've set up the framework for it, is the unique user experience. Since our airport serves commuters and the bulk of those commuters are in the tech world, we think that a lot of technology companies would be interested in the idea of having, say, an artist work with their technology. And the work that we've done there so far has really borne it out because a lot of these artists have actually, I'm going to stop this one here if I possibly can, have actually gone to the technology companies and said, hey, my piece is using your robotic motors, for example, or your speakers. And the companies have actually come in and donated some of the things. Now, I want to talk about this for a second because I, I, it's just Wiz Body 4. This is actually a diagram of air travel, of nodes, travel nodes. And it, it, it hooks into the airport's database. So if a flight is taking off from, say, Hawaii, the Hawaii node will light up and the, the color will change as it moves to San Jose. Where the nodes come together, those little things that look sort of this big on the screen are really this big. They're video screens, and the video screens have videos of people's travel experience, planes taking off and landing, historic photographs of stewardesses in their uniforms, all of that kind of thing. 
And one of them is being kept open the first few months that the airport is open so that people can upload their videos onto it. So, um, any luck? Uh, Janine is going to try our computer, but we don't have the right adapter. Okay. All right. So, um, I'm, I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> I, you have a sense of what we're up to. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Yeah. This is cool. So, I mean, let, let me talk about downtown anyway, whether we have the images or not. Because a lot of the images that I was going to show are actually what-if images. They're not actual images. So, what we established with the airport, and this was something that I was really thinking about as I was leaving Seattle. You know, art is changing all the time. And when you create a public artwork that is there forever, it's there forever, you're stuck with issues that have to do with maintenance. You're dealing with things like the fact that our cities are changing rapidly. Um, there are issues surrounding uh, timelessness and all of that. And a lot of artists these days are working with new technologies, and they're interested in the idea of doing things that can change. So I started thinking about the idea of artwork being, uh, of creating opportunities for artists that could do changing things, things that are performative, things that are time sensitive, things that are mutable. And so when I saw the job in San Jose, that they were creating a program of art and technology at the airport, I really leapt at that because it struck me that this would be a really great opportunity to try that kind of thing. Now we're trying to apply the same kinds of concepts to downtown San Jose. So we're looking at a variety of different types of, of, of art opportunities. One of them is to create zones where changing art can happen. We've just commissioned six projects that are going in downtown from our train station to the heart of downtown that allow artists to experiment with new ideas. Most of the artists are developing ideas that have to do with climate and sustainability. So one artist is, for example, um, uh, Andrea Poli, has been interested in the impact of particulate matter on, on our quality of life. And so what she's doing is, she's actually measuring particulate matter in the air and she's doing the visualization of it on the, a very long, skinny facade of a building. And the way that it's being visualized is it's going to look like a waterfall in light. The denser the waterfall is, the more particulate matter there is in the air. The less dense it is, the cleaner the air is. So it's, it's an image. You can also phone up and find out why it's doing what it's doing. Should we on that? Okay. Let's give it a shot. No, no, it was here. Oh, okay. Oh, this one, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's called Sika. Okay. So have any of you heard of the Zero One Festival? I think you'll probably touch on it. Sorry. But it, it gives, it comes back to sort of the example of the partnerships that we're forging. So first act, much like a venture, you know, philanthropists, we are seed fund we seed funded, uh, or one of the seed funders, I should say, uh, of Zero One, which is now blossoming into um, a real organization with a real major impact. And a lot of what we're doing downtown is in partnership with Zero One. And the hope is, is that some of the, the um, figures that Barbara will be sharing is that at every biennial, 
some major installations are left behind, so that over time, the landscape of, of downtown San Jose really changes in a very substantive and profound way. So um, very, very exciting. So uh, my personal experience when I go to San Jose these days, if I were to go during um, weekends or non-work days, it would be really empty. Yeah. So it, it feels like the audience, your audience um, of the art, of all this public art, would be working professionals who would commute into San Jose and then commute out when they're not working. So I think the long-term vision, because we're, we're in agreement with you, we have a vibrancy issue, and vibrancy is tied to people, right? The energy of people. And, um, and I think it's a challenge in this valley because of it's, you know, we're sort of distributed across our population, but we're also workaholics. So that's the 24-7 workaholic syndrome that we're up against. So what we're trying to do, and, and it's, when I say we, it's the royal we, and the city set out to do this um, long before we existed, is to put the high-rise housing and densify so you bring people that live downtown, but you also create environments that draw people downtown. So this is part of the strategy, to draw people downtown and have something worth going to on the weekend. Right. And the other thing that we're thinking about is the image of the city, trying to create a city that actually looks and feels like what people think that Silicon Valley is about. There's all this really interesting creative work that's going on inside the buildings, but it doesn't manifest itself outside. So we're trying to figure out ways to actually create an exterior environment, an urban environment that draws people outside. A lot of the tech companies are designed in such a way that they really want to keep people inside working. They've got all of their, you know, cafeterias and gyms and all that stuff inside. And so we're trying to create a vibrant enough environment to draw them out of their offices. Well, one thing I've thinking about this because it's, it's such a, there's so much exciting potential is um, how artists can be living and working downtown and making art and building the community back how artists have um, sort of settled some areas that have, you know, where they can work and live in some areas, school and built that sort of core of activity that's drawn. And I wonder if it's that piece of the, the thinking as well, in addition to the, the, the high rises and that density, but creating artists, districts for working artists so that people beginning to build that cafe culture and showing and the casual. Yeah. I'm going to state the obvious, which starts with the high price of real estate in Silicon Valley is what drives artists out. And yet artists want to congregate with other artists. So there are very places like New York and San Francisco. They find ways to live there and pay the premium because of the environment. So um, specific to your question is that there are projects that have actually been built um, right um, a half a mile from the that sofa district. I don't think I recognize that three block area that I was telling you about is the South First area and the front. So they get a live workspace and there are there are um, plans underway. Um, but even when you build them, the 
It's hard to get the, um, it to pencil out and be affordable. So, I mean, we are thinking about strategies of how we would, you know, in some ways subsidize it or make it easier or, I don't think, I mean, we're not there yet, but it's part of our thinking. And I think that one of the things that in San Jose, there's, I think there's a bigger demand for artist workspace than there is necessarily for live workspace. So part of it is really building uh, either a community, uh, a communal space for artists to work rather than focusing on the live work part of it. It's not, it's not, unlike a lot of other urban places that I've been, the demand is not necessarily there for the live work as much of it as it is for building a community through communal working space. So finally, I'm sorry that we finally got it. Can I just do a time check sure. on everyone? Yeah. It's, um, it's almost one. I, I just think keep you going. Should, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So basically, this is what we've been talking about. The mm -hmm. idea of the city is a platform for changing works and sometimes pieces that are long-term. We, we think that a lot of times it's good to try something temporary, then if it really works, you might want to think about putting something permanent in place. So we've been working really closely with Zero One. Zero One is not only a, an organization that is building a, a biannual festival, but it's also doing a lot of exploration into creativity and putting artists together with other creative professions to have conversations about the future. So we're interested in the idea of art as both a catalyst and a platform. Um, our, our goal for downtown is to really try to create a bold vision that exemplifies the city's creativity and energy. One of our first pieces that really addresses that is San Jose Semaphore by Van Rubin. Um, this piece, um, these four LED discs at the top of the Adobe building switch position every six seconds and they spell out a secret message and code. <laughs> and they do. And when an airplane flies overhead, the code is interrupted and the, and the discs spin around wildly. It also has a sound component. Those of you who know who Ben Rubin is know he's also a composer. And so you can tune into the sound component on shortwave radio within a certain radius of the building. Or you can go to San Jose 74 and you can actually hear the piece singing. It sings out a whole pattern of, of, of tones and also letters. Is there, a, is there a skeleton key for the code that's available? Well, it's really <laughs> interesting. When Ben created the piece, he thought nobody was going to take years to crack the code. And what happened, predictably, was you know, there were a couple of geeky guys that were at a conference in San Jose. Um, Three weeks later, they were at a conference on how to meet girls, right? <laughs> they were on a break. And they started looking at this thing saying, I bet it says something. And so they started investigating it. And what they did was they got it to the website and they got it to the cache. And they solved it through the back end. And so now he's created a whole, it, it was the crying of Lot 39 by, Tom, um, by Pinchon. But, um, He's now put a different code in it. Nobody's cracked it so far. <laughs> so um, this is our um, City Hall Rotunda, which we're using as a platform for changing art. This is the first Zero One Festival in 2006. There was a piece in there that was kind of based on the rolling teacups. 
There's a new piece going in in 2010, which is an Aeolian harp. Um, this is using the San Jose State campus as a, as a platform for a piece. Ed O'Stern created this piece, which basically took clips of wormhole videos from different movies throughout the last 50 years and put them together so that as you walk by, you saw all these videos of, of wormholes. This is another piece that we put in our Discovery Meadow. It was actually originally created for um, Burning Man. And you had to tap on the drums, and when you tapped on the drums, it, it made this kind of carousel, zoetrope thing move faster and faster. And it was a series of hanging illuminated monkeys. So if you, if you made it go fast enough, the monkeys appeared to be handing bananas to each other. Is that this a yeah, that was Discovery Meadow, which is um, near um, the Shark Tank. Um, this is a permanently cited piece. This is a piece called Show Your Stripes. It's by an artist named Jim Conti. We commissioned it as part of the construction of a new high-rise building downtown, and it cleverly disguises a parking garage. Um, the thing that's really fun about this piece is if you can program it with your cell phone. The reason he calls it Show Your Stripes is by dialing a number you can show your stripes by picking the pattern that you want. You don't necessarily know what that pattern's going to be, but if you dial a number, it changes the piece within 10 seconds. Um, we believe that planning for, uh, for a platform creates results. It took us about 10 years to get to where we are with the airport. It was a very incremental process. First, we want to create an art and technology program. Next, how are we going to do that? Where are we going to do that? How are we going to find the artists and engineers to build this into the system? And so what has led to this project that I showed you, Hands, by Christian Muller, uh, eCloud, Space Observer, etc. So going into thinking about next year, these are the things that we're thinking about. <coughs> Activating a changing art platform on San Fernando Street, which I'm going to show you in a bit. City Hall Rotunda. Duradon Station, which is going to be the largest multimodal train station on the West Coast. I'm going to repeat that. It's not San Francisco. It's actually San Jose's Duradon Station will be the largest multimodal train station on the West Coast. High-speed rail, two different commuter rails, light rail, BART, and bus, plus the HP Pavilion and probably a new baseball stadium. So this is a huge gateway project that's coming in. And our convention center. So this is what we're doing actually on the San Fernando corridor. I described one of the projects to you. One of the things that we have that's a challenge in San Jose is the downtown is encircled by a ring of freeways. Not a very unusual occurrence. Um, we're looking at how do you activate spaces under the freeways. This is a temporary project that does this. This artist team, Robin Lasser and Marguerite Perret, are creating what they call FEMA tents for birds. There are these tents that are illuminated on the inside that look like FEMA tents, and they're, they're suspended over the Guadalupe River. And each one of these tents has a different program of reporting or light in it. And it's conveying information on what the impact of traffic noise is 
and, and changing climate and rising tides is on the, the seabirds that live on the Guadalupe River, which you like below this, this pass-through. Another piece which is going right in front of the existing Duradon station is a piece by this artist team named Bios. It's a, it's, it's a computer-generated cellular structure which is based on the idea of Carl. What happens is they've created this computer cellular structure and the nodes that are on top of the structure will be created by people that are in the maker community using three-dimensional printers. So each one of the nodes, like each cell of Carl, will be created by different people. They plug into the structure and about a third of them have little brains that tell them to turn their lights on and off. The brains um, collect energy through solar and distribute it through LED lights. So as the, the piece fills in, at night you'll see lights that course over the structure. The reason that we're testing this location for temporary artwork is because when Duradon Station is built out, we're anticipating that we're going to have a very iconic artwork at that new station. Um, during Zero One um, this coming year, Rockwell International will be doing a projection on City Hall. Rockwell International is a group that is best known for two things that they're best known for. They're an architectural group that work with new media. They created the, all the sets for last year's Academy Awards. They also did the stage sets for Hairspray. They do a lot of multimedia events and, um, and happenings. Um, in the convention center, we're looking at the opportunity of creating different kinds of changing art zones. They might look like this kind of thing. This is a project by Electroland. It's at the Staples Center. It's an interactive floor. This is another project that Electroland did, which is a city skyline piece um, proposed for over the, um, the two towers in downtown LA. Um, our vision for 2012 is to create a city skyline piece in San Jose. San Jose is never going to have a tall skyline because the airport is right outside of San Jose. And developers want to build out their whole block, so you end up with these big blocky buildings that are no taller than 18 or 20 feet. So we're thinking, how do you make that skyline interesting to people as they drive through? And so we're going to be commissioning proposals by different artists to develop ways of activating our skyline in black. They could look like Electroman's piece. They could look like this piece that Raphael Zanon-Hemmer did that basically allows people to use their cell phones to change the configuration of light over Mexico City. And then lastly, 2014, we're looking at the Duramont Station Gateway. And we're working on a project right now called the Climate Clock. It's been an international design competition. We're down to three teams that are developing proposals for us. Those three teams will be in residence at San Jose State starting in September of next year. And the teams are all taking a different approach. This team that call themselves um, Green Mean are looking at the idea of biological indicators as a way of showing climate change. They're doing a project that's called Wire Wilderness, where they're hooking up with um, a study that's being done on the Blue Reserve in the Santa Cruz Mountains that's wiring 
the oak trees to show how climate change is impacting the, the, the oak trees and the likelihood on the oak trees. And so they're going to create something that, that reflects that change in the natural environment um, in, in the location of downtown San Jose. And also allows artists over the years to add to that by taking the data and translating it into some kind of an artwork. The second team called Usman Hawk, Robert Davis, and Caroline Lewis, they do um, work that, that um, is interactive. And they um, are interested in the idea of building something that will change over 100 years and will be performative in nature. And so on the right is an example of a performative piece that Usman did in Singapore, which is basically a very large sculpture that's made out of balloons that are controlled by people's cell phones. And his idea with this piece is to create some kind of visualization of climate change that leaves a mark over time. So it's literally a clock that changes over time by leaving detritus behind it that builds something. The last piece, which you can see on the left, is a project by um, a group called Amorphic Robot Works. Um, and they've done a lot of literally mechanical um, objects. Some of them are pieces that are inflated with bladders. Some of them are pieces that function like clocks. The piece they're proposing for San Jose is something that opens and closes over the course of the day and describes a spiral over time. It shows you climate change through a series of chambers that move you through the experience of, of the choice between a future that uses um, fossil fuels or a future that uses alternative energy sources. So that's basically what we're up to. Um, we're having a lot of fun doing it. And, um, we're hoping that we will create some landmarks for the city that will last beyond us. And also some opportunities within the city that will allow um, artists to create new works in the future. Anybody have questions still for Sure. Going back to Connie's observation about how much philanthropy is generated by Silicon Valley that leaves, are, are some of the artworks being created with, um, with, with the support of some of that money that's going as a way of obtaining so, some support out of the individual families? And so I'm glad you asked that question. Is it, I, I, I kind of left you hanging <laughs> in terms of our strategy. Everything that we're talking about, and keep in mind, we're just focusing on one slice of, of, of our relationship. There's a whole other conversation about arts and culture and the ecosystem and some of the other work that we're doing. But our fundamental belief is that people give to places they feel connected to. And, and in this valley, where we have a valley of immigrants and, and, and the success that we have, not only are we trying to create opportunities to inspire that investment, but also the kind of environment that connects them to this place. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the, the, um, what we didn't mention at the front end is that the presentation that Barbara just gave 
Joel and Barbara gave to a group of 30 funders in Silicon Valley that represented um, the very folks that were trying to move the needle. Ten points, to be specific. <laughs> Ten points. And um, we had corporate philanthropy, you know, in the Adobe's and the Cisco's. We had consumer corporate in the Target's and the Bank of America's. We had the usual suspects in the, you know, Irvine, Packard. We had all of those folks plus individual legacy givers. So think of it as family of friends, potential angels. And they rated all of um, our pitches. We made 20-minute pitches. And we thought that they would, ex would, would say, oh, just take those top two. Not true. There was somebody in that room that was attached very, very much to at least one, if not more. So it was this sort of creating this menu of opportunity is part of the strategy. So especially as we look at the future changes in the airport, which by the way, were fundamentally funded by public sector. But the ongoing, which really speaks to your question, um, that we need to have, we need to unleash that investment. That ongoing relationship. I, I, so I've been sitting here thinking that I mentioned this at the beginning, but you know, the, the parallels to some of the arts planning we're doing here on campus just strike me in, in this way that that um, you know I think we struggle here with the how you keep how you keep supporting the goodness that's there already and inspire innovation in the in the you know in the entities that exist right. at the same time putting new ideas into play that might not be driven by the by the groups and performing groups or departments or whatever it is and um, the you know the kind of energy and somehow getting some of the resource focus on the bigger ideas that are transformative and I, I think it's you know, it's a really interesting parallel to some of what we were trying to do with, with the with the arts initiative here. You know, maybe something we could, we could talk more about. Well, I get the benefit of um, listening to this at the time, but um, I'm really interested in that because I think it, there, there's strategy here that might help us activate that both programmatically and from a funding, you know, from a funding mentality. One of the things that was really interesting about coming into San Jose from where I was, was that when I first got to San Jose, there was a lot of kind of very low-level, small resistance to the idea of public art, because what people had been seeing was basically a lot of very safe, community-oriented projects. And when we started to really encourage people to think about what they wanted, everybody said, take risks. We want you to take risks. We want you to do things that are bold. We want you to do things that embody who we are and how, who we think of ourselves as a, as a community. And they were basically two characteristics that they talked about, innovation and diversity. But it was always take risks. And my view is, you really have to set your sights very high and very far ahead if you're going to accomplish anything. You, you have to start by thinking big to take small steps and then you build up to the bigger things. Well, and that creates an infrastructure too or a, or a mindset for making the more individuals 
and it sets expectations. Yeah. And it's been really successful. I don't think we could have gotten there by saying, we, we're going to go right here. We have to get other people to begin to articulate that. Yeah, I think, it, you know, I'm thinking about library arts programming strategy. It's like, you know, it's like thinking about it. Yeah, there's so many, so many I found so many um, great connections with the arts groups in, in San Jose, and we went as a staff to the museum for a holiday mm -hmm. um, party and had a Pedosa tour, and for many of the staff, it was the first time they went to the museum. But what, what struck me is that the museum is as old as library arts and theater works. About 40 years ago, and so many organizations right. came up, and the focus is so much on new work and California artists, and it's uh, the, the curatorial direction is very much of the sort of experimentation, playful, and vague, and it's just a, it's a very exciting, bold gesture to make. Um, yeah. More, more of an observation than a question. I, I was, as Tracy mentioned, Wonderkammer at the uh, yes. at the airport. It struck me that most of the public works you're talking about involve that concept of wonder as right. well as like what's possible, like seeing weather patterns across exactly. the country. And I, I'm not from the Silicon Valley now, but I grew up in Sunnyvale. I know that a lot of people's, it, it, you know, especially when they don't have arts education in schools, a lot of people's experience of art, is, public art, is oh that ugly sculpture. Whereas this this does really seem to tap in a lot more right. to concepts of innovation and, and the same kind of wonder that the tech world addresses. So yes. it's feel, it feels like you're on something. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really been fun. And it also, one of the things that's so interesting about it is that I think that where you have two and two, more than one intersect, uh, one, more than one in discipline intersecting, whether it's science and art or music and visual arts or whatever it is. You draw people in because it, it provokes conversation and it, it opens up the ability for people to relate something to their own experience. But it, if it's just visual art, some people might not be able to relate to it. They might not feel that they have the words to explain it. Most people in the room need to know this, but I, I thought you know, before we close and take from Connie and Barbara, I mentioned that um, SICA, the, the Stanford Institute for Creativity and the Arts, is for the second year this summer sponsoring a, a Stanford stu undergraduate student um, internship at First Staff. So one of our lucky undergraduates will get to go and really have a hands-on um, experience working in a you know, in a cultural organization that's trying to affect change. And that's another way that we here to try to try to connect to the educational side of what goes on Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.